Aaron is mentioned first when he gets a chance to clean. An outsider is needed to break out of a routine. How can mixing bread and matzah be understood? We have to think about the tough times to appreciate the good. So this week's Parsha is Parshat Sav. And the Parsha begins by saying, uh, Hashem spoke to Moses saying, Command Aaron and his sons. And um, Sav means command, like mitzvah, uh, commandment. So why is the word Sav used? Usually it says, um, say to Aaron and his sons. Um, not not command. And so a few reasons are given for this word sav. So Rashi says that this particular mitzvah is dealing with the Ola offering. And the Ola offering um, has some monetary loss attached to it because you have to, the, the Kohen has to burn the entire animal and only gets to keep the, the hide of the animal. But all of the, the meat, all of the flesh in the animal that normally for all the other, um, for, for all of the other korbanot, uh, for all the other um, sacrifices, the Kohen would be able to keep and eat, uh, eat the meat. But in this case, the meat is totally burned and only, the, the Kohen's only allowed to keep the, the skin of the animal, the hide of the animal. So there's a certain monetary loss that's attached with um, doing a korban ola versus any other um, commandment. And perhaps we, you, a person needs a little bit more encouragement uh, to give up their money. You know, when it comes to um, other things that, uh, that are difficult, that's, that's okay. But giving up your own money, that's something that, that takes um, a lot of encouragement. And the Torah is giving that by saying it's a commandment. It's not only something that is good to do, but uh, it's something that's actually commanded. And per, so perhaps one of the reasons is because there's a monetary loss. And a uh, second reason is, as I said, this is talking about a korban ola that, um, that Aaron is being commanded um, about how to, um, how to conduct. And this korban ola, um, one of the elements of the korban ola is that it's brought for bad thoughts, for thinking incorrect thoughts, and a person, if a person thinks these thoughts, they bring a korban ola, and perhaps you know you could say that someone that has um, improper thoughts tries to rationalize them, tries to say either, you know, look, at least I didn't act on them; it's it really it wasn't so bad, or maybe they'll rationalize it by saying, you know, I'm not really in control of my own thoughts; it just came over me. Um, and, you know, a person, they, they will try to, to make an excuse as to why thinking incorrect thoughts really, at the end of the day, they aren't so bad. You know, they, they never acted on it. Uh, you're not in control of your own thoughts, etc. But in reality, those are all um, just rationalizations, and, and they're not true. That uh, certainly, well, it is true that you didn't act on it. It was still wrong to have such a thought. And secondly, you are in control of your own thoughts. So a person shouldn't think that. And, but, but because there's this tendency maybe to make um, you know, uh, rationalizations for not bringing this Corbin Ola for incorrect thoughts, for improper thoughts, then you have to be commanded to do it. You need a little bit uh, extra encouragement. Now, um, so moving on to some of the other ideas in this week's Parsha, um, 
it's so so the parsha begins by by talking about for the korban ola you had to remove um, some of the some of the ashes that were there from the day before, and every single day you have to remove um, at least a little bit of these ashes. And Rav Hirsch gives uh, an interesting idea here that every single day you have to you know a person has to clear away their their prior accomplishments. Um, so you know yesterday in the you know, wherever this Cohen was the day before, they had already done this amazing service and it was a major success. And um, all the ashes were there like as an award ceremony um, or as a, as a trophy, you know, you could say. Um, and the Cohen had to remove some of those ashes to say what, you, you know what, yesterday's accomplishments were yesterday's accomplishments. But today... Um, we are going to serve uh, Hashem in, in, you know, a whole new way again today. And perhaps this was the idea of why they had to clear away some ashes every single day. is because it's important that you shouldn't, you know, rest on your laurels. You shouldn't um, feel so secure about what you did yesterday that you don't feel that it's necessary to do any work today. And that was perhaps why they were removing some of those ashes to clear away yesterday's accomplishments and to make room, so to speak, um, for today's. Uh, so along the same lines about removing these ashes, so Aaron is mentioned first when the ashes are being removed. Um, it talks about a uh, command to Aaron and his sons. and But usually it just says that uh, not not Aaron and his sons, but rather just Aaron's sons. Uh, but Aaron here is mentioned, Aaron is mentioned first for some reason when it comes to cleaning out um, the, the service of, of cleaning out the ashes. And perhaps one of the reasons that Aaron is mentioned first is because cleaning out the ashes is basically like taking out the trash. You know, it's a sort of a schleppy job, not, not a job that you would consider um, very chashiv, very uh, significant. And it's not a job that maybe, you know, most people wouldn't want such a job taking out the trash. But Aaron is, it's clear that Aaron took on this job of taking out the trash the, very happily. And he was, you know, the most esteemed leader, second in command, you know, outside of, outside of Moshe. Um, and he was the one that was, was happy to take out the trash, you know. And I think that this is an important lesson for us, being that sometimes... Um, you know, we can make our name an, a name for ourselves doing something that other people maybe wouldn't want to do and that we're willing to step up to the plate and do it. And, you know, it, it's a possibility that uh, here that nobody else really was all that excited about taking out these ashes. Um, and Aaron was willing to step up to the plate and, uh, and do it and basically take the trash out. And um, maybe that's why he's he's written here, because even for small, seemingly insignificant, seemingly, you know, schleppy work, like taking out the trash, um, if we do it with a sense of purpose, and here it certainly was done with a sense of purpose um, in the, um, to, it, for, for the service of, of, of uh, the Korbanot for, for Shem, that, that certainly here, Aaron viewed taking out the trash not just as some sort of janitorial job but rather um a service for god and when he put it in that light it was it was a really a no-brainer for Aaron to be willing to take out the trash 
uh, to, to be taking out the, uh, the ashes here. And, you know, that's an important lesson for us that even on those schleppy jobs, even on those jobs like taking out the trash um, that we, we have to do, but they don't seem very desirable, if we rephrase it, if we, if we look at it um, in a different light um, and we realize that it's, it's really an opportunity um, to potentially grow in who we are as a person, then we will all of a sudden be happy to do it. And perhaps uh, we'll even be able to make our name a name for ourselves by doing something that the average person wouldn't want to do. If, uh, you know, if we're willing to step up to the plate and do it, that really would, uh, that sometimes can elevate ourselves uh, to levels that we wouldn't have gotten had we just stuck with, you know, what everybody else wants to do um, in that crowded field. Sometimes it's best to to do something that's not necessarily desirable because, um, you know, that's the area that is um, least, you know, it's, it's the area for, for, for uh, most improvement and there's least competition um, from other people in those realms. So to, for taking out the trash, our own, our own viewed um, this process of taking out the ashes every day is something that was very near and dear uh, to his heart. Now, so moving on in this week's Parsha, um, Parsha talks about whoever touch, whatever ends up touching um, the mincha offering, whatever ends up touching the meal offering, becomes holy. And it's explained that if some type of food or, or a, um, a vessel that was used to carry the food um, is, touches, the, um, t- touches this offering, then it becomes holy. And if it touches it, and it, it has to absorb its taste. And only once it absorbs its taste, and there's certain complexities, um, if it's hot, for example, the, the food will, um, the, the, the vessel, the, uh, or, or a different type of food, will absorb the taste of um, this holy mincha offering. And it'll become, the, the food itself will become kadosh. So what we can learn from this is that you know, if we see something that is holy, if we see something or, or someone um, that is really doing all the right things, we should know that if we um, get close enough to them and if we're excited to learn from a person that is kadosh, a person that is holy, then um, we, you know, certain in a certain way could become holy ourselves just by interacting with that person, by absorbing their flavor. Um, and, you know, just as a, um, a vessel, just as some kind of bowl uh, absorbs the flavor of hot food, so too we can absorb the flavor, we can absorb the lessons of those around us um, by allowing ourselves to come in contact with them, by allowing ourselves to interact with them and um, absorb some of those lessons. And we ourselves will, uh, will ultimately... Um, become kadosh through those through those interactions. Now, moving on in uh, this week's parsha, so it's interesting that the the parsha says that uh, the same place that the korban ola was brought, which was brought for improper thoughts, is um, the exact same location that the korban chatas is brought. That uh, sins that that people that did unintentional sins. Um, Averos Bishogig, uh, sins that were sins that were unintentional, um, 
that they were brought in the same place as this Corban Ola where you just had improper thoughts. So there's a couple possible reasons for why they were brought in the same place. One reason is that it spares the embarrassment um, of what someone did. So a Korban Khatas is always dealing with an action, with someone that actually did something um, that was unintentional. As where a Korban Ola, that could be brought not by action, but merely just by having improper thoughts. So when everybody's going to the same place, when a person with improper thoughts and and a person with... Um, with uh, you know that, that did something wrong in in action, then there's no guessing. There's no that you can't say. Well, um, you know, I wonder what this person did wrong. It could have just been that that person had an improper thought, and the Torah really you know goes out of its way to spare people um, embarrassment. And when in, in this particular case, because someone, if the korban chatas was brought separately from the korban ola. You might a person might have looked at uh, you know all the all the people in the line for the korban chatas and said, well, you must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. But here, since they're coming together, uh, you're not really sh- a person isn't really sure whether um, you know whether they see someone there and they're there for a korban ola, which is improper thoughts, or there for a korban chatas, which is um, an actual action. Uh, that they that they did unintentionally. Now, um, so so you know, to spare the embarrassment of the people that did something intentionally, it's important that those other people are mixed in, those people with improper thoughts. Um, okay, another possible reasons of why they're brought together is the Avne Nezer says that uh, carelessness starts; it gets its spark by having bad thoughts. So a person sees, you know, a, a person that brings a korban ola and sees someone that brought a korban chatas, they can say to themselves, it's a, it's a recognition that th- those improper thoughts, those could turn in to unintentional sins. And vice versa, someone that brings a korban chatas for an unintentional sin, they should be reminded that really the reason that they sinned unintentionally was most likely because they had improper thoughts to begin with. Um, so these two things are very closely related. Improper thoughts often lead to unintentional sins. Um, now, moving on in this week's Parsha, uh, so it says, uh, the, the, the Parsha says that all of the Kohanim had to share each and every korban. Um, at the, if, if, so any, any of the Kohanim that were working at the, the Beit HaMikdash that day had to share the um every korban that, that people brought, every sacrifice. And one of the reasons is because um, you aren't supposed to be sure exactly whose merit the offering was accepted in. Um, so every Kohen, you know, if, if certain Kohanim were um, were very successful and were very skilled at bringing these, uh, at, at bringing these sacrifices, people that brought the sacrifices might only prefer certain Kohanim over others, as where this system is so that every single Kohen eats it, so a person can't have that thought that uh, they want a certain Kohen to, to do the service because every single one of them is involved in some way, shape, or form uh, by eating the Korban. Now, moving on in this week's Parsha, um, it talks about the Korban Toda, the 
Thanksgiving offering. And there's four different reasons why a person would bring a korban todav. One reason is because they survived a desert journey. Another reason is because they survived an illness. Another reason is because they survived a sea voyage. And lastly, um, they may have survived an imprisonment. And what's fascinating about all four of these things is that something bad happened first. Um, so you don't just bring a korban toda for something good happening to you. No, something bad has to happen to you first. Only then can you bring a um, a korban toda. Uh, it's a certain amount of salvation that happens. You're you survived something. You survived a, a desert journey. You survived an illness. You survived a sea vo- a sea voyage. You survived an imprisonment. There was something bad that happened, and then you survived it. Only in those cases can you bring a carbon toda. And um, that idea is closely related to what you actually do for a carbon toda. You, you bring this strange mixture that it seems like two things that don't mix. You bring um, certain loaves of bread that are chametz, and then you also bring matzah. So why are you bringing both chametz and matzah? Those two things... Um, you know, if we have Pesach coming up here very soon, and uh, everybody knows that, you know, the, those chametz and matzah, they don't mix well. Uh, so why is it that you're bringing both of them? And so Rav Hirsch has um, an idea here that Rav Hirsch says matzah, you know, matzah is considered lechem oni, uh, the, the bread of poverty, the bread of affliction, as where chametz, that signifies growth. You know, chametz has a lot of air in it. Um, and it it uh, signifies growth and expansion. And what Rav Hirsch says, the reason why you have to bring both chametz and matzah is this idea that you survive something. This idea that the only way a person can truly be appreciative of what they have is if they think and, and meditate and reflect um, on how it was before, on the fact that there was a rough time. There was a time when what they were doing was eating lechem oni. There was a time when they were in the desert. There was a time they were sick. There was a time they were in prison. There was a time that they were in the middle of the sea. There were times that, that uh, things were bad. Things were rough. Things were uh, not going according to plan. And then they were saved. But the tr- only true way to really appreciate what you have is by thinking about where you came from about thinking about, you know, that lechem oni, thinking about the, the matzah that you were eating before, the, that, that stale, cardboard, crumbly bread that you were eating before. Only then can you really appreciate the chametz. And I think that's maybe one of the purposes of Pesach, is that we should spend one week every single year reflecting on what it would be like just to eat matzah, on what it would be like just to only eat lechem oni, only eat the bread of poverty, um, and then we'll truly be appreciative for what we have every other week of the year. Uh, that delicious uh, chametz, you know, is something that uh, signifies growth, something that is airy, something, um, you know, that that uh, that has potential in it. And Rav Hirsch says that these two things are brought as a mixture because someone that's truly thankful, not only do they appreciate what they have now, but they, they remember and they reflect on how tough it used to be. Um, so interestingly here that the, another point in the Korban Toda is that 40 different loaves of bread or matzah had to be brought, um, and 
had to be eaten all in a single day. And um, so as a result, because there were so many loaves of bread, they this person had to invite a lot of you know his or a lot of his friends over um, to to participate in this massive feast of forty loaves of bread. And I think that this is, you know, a beautiful thing about being appreciative, about being thankful, is that when someone's really appreciative and thankful, they can't hold it into them. Uh, they can't hold it in themselves. They have to go and tell everyone that they know that uh, just about just how appreciative they are. And that's a beautiful thing about um, being thankful and being appreciative for what you have is that there's a certain element that you want to share that that feeling uh, with other people, and um, you just can't contain it inside yourself about how thankful you are. And uh, certainly, you know, we should all be that way. That uh, when we're thankful, that we share that 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 feeling with others, and we let them know uh, just how thankful we are um, for for what we have, or, or thankful how how thankful we are for them. Um, and you know, those 40 loaves that have to all be eaten in one day by necessity, there's going to be this massive feast and that thankful person, that person bringing the Korban Toda can share, um, that Simcha can, can share, um, all of that happiness with everybody else around them. Um, so another interesting point on the Korban Toda is that, uh, it, that uh, Chazal say, the the sages say that the matzah, that the korban toto will be brought even after the Mashiach comes. And perhaps one of the reasons why that is, is because once the Mashiach comes, we, well, you know, it'll, it'll all be good. Everything will be good. But it's important to remember, even once the Mashiach comes, of what it used to be, of how tough it used to be, of what the hard times used to be like. And again, only when we realize what those tough times used to be like, can we really appreciate what we can we really appreciate what we have. So, in the time of the Mashiach, when everything's good, um, it's important to remember what it used to be. Uh, another point on the Korban Toda is the Emre Emmet says that um, one of the reasons why this Korban Toda had to be eaten entirely in one day is because. This is to recognize a miracle that happened to someone, that they survived a desert journey or an illness or sea voyage or an imprisonment. And so it's to recognize a miracle. And the Imre Emmet says that we have miracles that happen to us every single day, day in and day out. So it has to all be eaten in one day because tomorrow we're going to already have new miracles to reflect on and be thankful for. So one of the reasons has to be eaten all in one day is because every single day of our lives, we have tons and tons of miracles that happen to us. And, you know, and each one of those miracles has to be appreciative. It has to be appreciated kind of in its own right. So basically surviving a desert journey can only spend one day in the sunlight uh, or in the spotlight because tomorrow, all of a sudden, there's going to be new miracles to be appreciative for. Um, moving on in this week's Parsha, to the last point in this week's Parsha, is um, uh, Moshe has it, conducts this entire ceremony um, to inaugurate Aaron and his, Aaron and his sons um, into becoming the uh, the Kohanim, into becoming the, the high priests. So um, it says that Moshe had to gather Kol Ha'edot. Kol Ha'eda, the uh, the entire the entire assembly, 
So everybody had to be there to watch Aaron and his sons um, be given this this uh, promotion to become Kohanim. And, you know, I think a little has changed today that whenever there's some big transition of power, um, it's important that we have a major celebration and it's a very public display that uh, that that celebrations happening for example you know the inauguration of the president um that's something that's a really a big deal and everybody's watching it um and uh, similarly here that uh, everybody had to be there to see that Aaron to see Aaron and his sons be given um you know be be inaugurated into the role of Kohanim now moving on to one idea about Pesach um, this idea that, uh, that so in, in the Haggadah, there's a story about Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua, uh, Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah, and Rabbi Akiva, um, and they learned all the way up until the morning Shema, and their students had to get them and tell them that uh, it was time for the morning Shema. Now, interestingly, all, all four of these rabbis um, None of them were actually in, none of them, uh, or, or none of their ancestors actually were slaves in Egypt because Rabbi Eliezer was a Levi, Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Eliezer ben Azariah, they were Kohanim, and Rabbi Akiva was a convert. So the Levium and the Kohanim were actually not slaves in Egypt. They lived separately from all, everyone else. They were not slaves. And Rabbi Akiva, um, having being, uh, or, or having, um, uh, ancestors that were converts, he also, his, his ancestors also were obviously not slaves in Egypt. So why exactly are these four characters who weren't even slaves, what are they doing spending all night talking about, um, the salvation of the Jews from slavery? And perhaps one of the reasons why is because sometimes it takes an outsider to really see your own potential, you know. So um, sometimes, you know, the, these these four characters who were outsiders, who were not actually involved um, in the slavery itself, they were the perfect people to um, to be learning about uh, the salvation of the Jews. Because ultimately, sometimes someone outside of yourself, you know, when you're fighting in the trenches, you don't realize just how bad it is. You need someone from outside to tell you, you can, you can do better. You can do more than what you're doing now. And, um, you know, I see more potential in you. Uh, and sometimes it takes an outsider to tell you that. And that's what all of these four, um, Rabbanim were. They were all outsiders. They were all people that did not themselves serve in, um, they themselves were not slaves in Egypt, and perhaps it's precisely because of the fact that they were not slaves, they were perfect candidates to be learning um, about uh, slavery in Egypt because they were in a position, um, they were in the most privileged position. They were in the p position that they could affect the most change, and they were also in the position that uh, they could tell the the Egyptian slaves that they they had potential, that uh that they had, um, you know, when, when you're in the trenches, sometimes it's, it's hard to see um, anything. It, it's hard to see your entire potential. You need an outsider to get you there. And those were, these were, the, these four characters were outsiders and they were perfect candidates 
um, to, to really exemplify what it takes to, um, to, to reach your full potential. So moving on to some of the other, just to, some, to recap some of the major points I talked about. So the first point, the Parsha, um, obviously the, this Parsha's name is Parsha Tzav, and Tzav meaning a command. And uh, so this is um, our own being commanded about the Korban Ola. And I gave two reasons why you sometimes might need to be commanded. The first is Rashi says there's a monetary loss. Anytime there's a monetary loss, you need to be commanded to do something. Secondly, thoughts, they're easily defensible. A Korban Ola is brought for improper thoughts. And if you have an improper thought, you might think to yourself, well, at least I didn't do anything about it, didn't really act on it. Secondly, you might think, um, well, I wasn't, you know, I'm not control in control of my own thoughts. So... Um, Regardless, you know, that, uh, so I, I don't really need to bring this Corbanola, but no, you actually have to be commanded uh, to do it. You need a little bit of uh, extra, um, extra encouragement. So moving on to some of the other major points that I talked about was this removal of ashes, sort of the taking the trash out. Uh, so Rav Hirsch gave the first idea that um, you have to sometimes clear away yesterday's accomplishments and you shouldn't be resting on your laurels of what you did yesterday. Um, so because those ashes were a sign of all of the great things that the Kohanim did yesterday in um, in the service, they had to remove those ashes to make room, so to speak, for today's accomplishments. The next idea I talked about is that Aaron is mentioned first when it comes to taking out the ashes. And it's sort of taking out the ashes is akin to sort of taking out the trash. It seems like it's a lowly job, but perhaps, as I said, really sometimes the best opportunities are those that others don't want to take. So when it seems like it's an undesirable thing, taking out the trash, maybe it's precisely then that we should really take advantage of those undesirable um, or seemingly undesirable things. And that's really where we can make the, the most and the, the strongest name for ourselves is doing those things that seem mundane, um, that seem like nobody else really wants to do it. And perhaps it's precisely then uh, that we have the greatest opportunity. So one other, uh, so moving on in the, some of the other ideas I talked about is that whatever touches the mincha offering, whatever touches the meal offering, and it absorbs its flavor, it becomes kadosh. And I said similarly for us that when we interact with other holy people, um, that we can sort of absorb some of their taste, some of their flavor, some of their personality, and we ourselves can become holy through their um, through through our interactions with them. Uh, so some of the other ideas um, I talked about that the Korban Ola and the Korban Chatas were brought in the same place. Perhaps it's because you want to spare the embarrassment um, of someone that brought a Korban Chatas, which was a sin that was um, a sin that was done unintentionally, and so you want to say, well, you, you if you see someone going to that spot, you're not sure whether they brought it for something that they actually did, or was it just a Korban Ola, that they had an improper thought? And the Avne Nezer says that these two things are related, that when you have improper thoughts, it's inevitably going to lead to doing um, unintentional sins. So moving on in some of the other points that I talked about, 
um, moving on to, to the Korban Toda, that um, <clears throat> this idea that you bring a Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving offering for any time you survive something. So you survive a desert journey or an illness or a sea voyage or you survive an imprisonment and that's when you bring a Korban Toda. And I mentioned that you bring um, this strange mixture of chametz and matzah, even though those two things don't seem like they, they mix very well. And Rav Hirsch says that that's precisely the point, that matzah is lechem ani. Matzah is the bread of poverty. And you need sometimes, um, and, and chametz, on the other hand, is, is the bread of growth. There's um, always air in, in uh, lechem ani. It's always growing. Um, it's rising, so to speak, and um, or sorry, there, there, it's chametz is always rising, and is where matzah lechemoni is the bread of poverty. So if you really want to be a thankful person, you have to spend time reflecting and thinking and contemplating on what how bad it used to be. Uh, you have to think about how bad it used to be. Only then um, can you really truly appreciate what you have now. And another point that. Um, I want to mention is, you know, before I talked about how it's important that Rav, that point of what that Rav Hirsch said with clearing out the ashes, that um, it's important we clear out yesterday's accomplishments. So all those good things that we did yesterday, it's important a little bit for us to forget about it and think about today's a whole new day. But on the other hand, for the Korban Toda, you have to almost do the exact opposite. When someone, you know, when you, you're, for, for the Korban Toda's, um, something good happened to you and you should never forget that you should never ever forget um just how bad it used to be and um how good it is now and really only once you reflect on how bad it used to be will you truly be able to appreciate how good it is now and um it's important that it's good to remember those you know those bad times but on the other hand that point from Ralph Hirsch that for all the good things that we've done, all of our accomplishments, our accomplishments, we should be quick to forget. Those things that, you know, um, those things that we've given, those things that uh, we've done well, um, forget those because today's a new day. But as far as um, the Korban Toda, as far as something good being done to us, something that we should be appreciative of, we should never, ever forget just how bad things were and how good things are today. Um so just some of the other points that I talked about on the Korban Toda, that it's 40 different loaves of, of bread and matzah. And this this means that you have to have a feast. And uh, this idea that a, a thankful person just cannot contain their thankfulness and their appreciativeness. And a person that's truly appreciative has to share it with others. Um, I also talked about um, that the Imre Emret says that it has to all be eaten in one day because miracles happen every single day. So just because you happen to be, you know, you, you happen to survive a desert journey one day, um, already tomorrow, there's going to be new miracles to think of. And I also talked about how the Korban Toto will be brought even after the Mashiach comes, because you have to remember, a person has to remember that, uh, that, you know, all the bad times, like I said, that even once the Mashiach comes and everything's good and everything's wonderful, um, that you a person still even in that era has to remember how things used to be. And w that will truly give them a true appreciation uh, for how things are today. 
And lastly, I talked about the in the Haggadah, the story of Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, and Rabbi Akiva, how they were all learning um, all the way up until the morning when they had to say the Shema. And all four of these people, none of their ancestors served um, as slaves in Egypt. And perhaps that's exactly the point, that sometimes it takes an outsider um, to really see your potential. It takes an outsider um, to, to look at how you're living and uh, see different areas of room for improvement. And, you know, it's okay to, to look for advice from an outsider, um, from someone that's not, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, because that outsider will be able to address where you, your potential, your, your, um, your opportunities for, uh, for success in the future. So with that, I'll read the poem again. Aaron is mentioned first when he gets a chance to clean. An outsider is needed to break out of a routine. How can mixing bread and matzah be understood? We have to think about tough times to appreciate the good. L'chaim, l'chaim.